Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello guys and welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones. This is a very special episode for me this week because it's my 50th episode. Uh, I'm stoked that I got to 50 um, because, you know, unlike some podcasts that record fortnightly or even monthly, uh, I do this weekly and uh, I never thought I'd get to 50. I never thought I'd have the listener base that I do and I'm really, really thankful for all my friends and family that have um, inputted and be behind me and all my listeners that are listening around the world wherever you are wherever you're doing I'm really thankful I really am even if you only listen for 10 minutes an episode and then come back whatever I don't mind um, thanks very much it really really warms the heart so I really had to scratch my chin about uh, what I was going to do for my 50th episode and this one is uh, I thought I'm going to be self-indulgent here um, I had looked at all the albums that were released in 72, which is 50 years ago, um, to see what was out and about then in the heavy rock and uh, rock and roll rock charts. Uh, the obvious one was um, Black Sabbath's uh, Volume 4. I'm not doing Black Sabbath's Volume 4, as you can tell by the uh, the title. I'm going to do Jeffro Toll's Thick as a Brick. Uh, and the reason I'm doing Thick as a, Thick as a Brick is that... Um, it's my podcast, firstly. <laughs> Secondly, uh, it's Jeff O'Toole are a band that uh, are sort of like Sabbath, but even more so than Sabbath, are deep in my DNA. Um, and uh, this particular album is a fantastic piece of musical history that is probably forgotten by some, um, disliked by a lot, um, adored and loved in uh, by millions. It was first released on the 7th of January 1972, so um, uh, a little bit, I wanted it to be this week, I looked for something this week, but not March 1972, sorry, um, but I couldn't really find anything, as I said, apart from Black Sabbath, and even then it was sort of July, so it wasn't the same date. Um, it's one continuous piece of music, so those out there, I'll just give you a little potted history of... of, of, of um, of Jeffro Toll. So Jeffro Toll, if you've never heard of them before, firstly, 
excuse me, what do you mean you haven't? Um, oh, so I, I used the terrible um, Star Wars, you know, um, quote there. Uh, anyway, uh, you have, they were formed in 68. Um, they're still going now by flutist Ian Anderson, uh, Martin Barre. It wasn't in the band originally, but this is just the lineup that was for this album. But they've had a lot of changes in their band, okay? But you have Martin Barre on, on guitar, who I've seen live about three years ago uh, up in the Blue Mountains here near Sydney in Australia and was one of the highlights of my musical life. It was unbelievable. I got to meet him. Unfortunately, my good friend Parksy, if you listen to this, Parksy, <laughs> you, um, I was about to shake his hand um, and Parksy butts in and makes a joke um, as Parksy's want. He loves that. Um, now, I laughed. John laughed. Martin just looked a bit bemused. Um, and I didn't get the handshake. I got the autograph. He dripped his sweat on my CD, which I've so got his DNA, <laughs> but I didn't get his handshake. And there's a photograph of, I saw later on with John shaking his hand, and I was like, yeah. And I, I quietly shake my fist at you, Parksy. I can't hate you because I love you to bits, but it was it was funny. He said, can I shut, can I cut in here? <laughs> it was it was funny. Um, it had to be there. Anyway, John Evan on piano. Um, uh, we had, um, we've got John Hammond Hammond on bass. Um, Barry Barlow on drums. Uh, and again, they said that lineup changes uh, frequently. Um, they went from playing standard blues club blues, because that's what it was in the 60s in the UK, everyone following on from Cream and uh, Jeff Beck and the Yardbirds and um, all that sort of stuff, uh, blues breakers. Um, uh, they were doing that because it was a. It was not easy to do. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've played the blues. It's not easy, but at the same time, it's it, you're sort of you're sort of constrained within a a very tight musical form with blues. And so, you know, if you know your blues, your, your blues scale, you you and your you know your um yeah yeah blues fifths and stuff you're pretty okay you know you sort of get away with it uh, adding one note into the scale and so on your blues extensions um that's not belittling anyone that plays blues because it's you know it's one of my favorite musical forms but that's what they did back then and then they sort of merged from that out of the late 60s into the early 70s and this is where this album comes in thick as a brick so um, they'd made Aqualung the year or two before, uh, which is considered one of the greatest hard rock albums of all time. Um, and I would say absolutely undoubtedly, um, because can you imagine hearing that album in, in 1971? It would have just crushed you. It was it was unrelenting. It was um, oh, just, I don't know what, I can't really describe it, you know. Total track alone, it just, um, if you've never heard anything like it, it's like a heavy folk, like, you know, because then they were sort of, um, they did this album, which they say was their, um, they said, like, he comes out, John, John, um, Ian Anderson is being Anderson, Ian Anderson, um, is, he says that it was their, um, their stab at, at taking the mickey out of the pomposity of 
progressive rock music. Um, and But a lot of people have said that Aqualung was a progressive album, a progressive rock album, or a concept album, is what they said. He was their stab at concept. Not progressive, but concept. Uh, not all progressive rock albums are concept albums, remember. Um, and he's, I sort of stand by him on that. I don't think Aqualung is a concept album. Um, to me, a concept album is one musical idea um, grouped together into one outlying story or um, musical concept. Was you know, Aqualung is quite stilted and staccato in its in its musical patterns. I don't think it's that. Um, you know, using the same musical refrain through forty five minutes of an album is not a concept. Lyrically, uh, if you write a story, tell a story across the eight tracks of an album, that's a concept um, in music to me. If that's the case, then if you could say that all musical pieces that held together were concept, all classical music in its conception is conceptual music, you would think. Um, it isn't the case. Anyway, I'm, I'm, going off the, I'm running off the point. So it was two tracks... Track one and track two. So Thick as a Brick Part One, flip it over, Thick as a Brick Part Two. Um, it it has it bears a lot of resemblance with um, I I have the I love concept albums and you know there are five I can name my top five right now, but in my top five is Marillion's uh, misplaced chart. Now Fish, the lead singer and lyric, lyricist of the band said that he wrote the album and called he said it has two sides sides one and side two exactly the same as thick as a brick and they have other parallels um ian anderson didn't have a lyric um so when they arrived at um morgan studios in wilsden which was literally 10 minutes down the road by car from my house where i grew up um a great studio um they used uh, a neve desk Paul McCartney, Black Sabbath, UFO, Alice Cooper, The Cure, Yes, Pink Floyd. Um, they all recorded there because of the desk, I believe. It was one of the most modern desks in Europe at the time. Um, and so he didn't have a lyric. So he would come in early in the morning and he would write the lyric and then they would put the music to it, which is an unusual way of recording. Adding lyrics... Music to lyrics can be a treacherous way of recording. Anyone out there who recorded will understand because the written word and lyrical form is not always musical. Um, whereas if you have music before, you can write words that move with the music and form around the shapes of the music and delve and burrow like into the music in a wrap around it. Um, and then use it as a tool to expression, use an expression, you know. Whereas writing the music, writing the music to the lyrics, um, this is when, and this is why I think this album has moments where, are, even though it's a, it's you know, it's in the pantheon of the, some of the greatest albums ever made, it it uh, it is disjointed musically in some parts. Um, I think this is probably why most of it. It took two weeks to record. Um, and three weeks, two to three weeks overdub. Um, uh, most of the lyrics were written by Ian Anderson, but also by um, the then new keyboard player John Evan. 
Um, he wrote a fair bit of the lyric on it as well. Um, it's. Oh, we'll talk about the music in the second part. Let's just talk about the the production of it. Okay. Um, in fact, we might talk about the the cover. The no. In fact, we'll talk about the cover in the second part because that's really interesting. So musically, it's um, quite an interesting uh, piece because it has this sort of. Um, Sorry, my computer's decided to close itself. One second. Tap, 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 tap. Nope. Can't remember the password to get to my bloody PC. There you go. Um, it, 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 it's, it's quite disjointed. If you listen to, and you're a fan of Toll, and you listen to other Toll albums, so Aqualung, um, and then into the folk era trilogy with Songs from the Wood, things like that, there is, you can hear the progenitus, the genesis of that. Another progressive band that they that they seem to think they were taking the mickey out of. Um, they, they were, they were, they can sort of hear the music in those. So there's a flourishes of the keyboard, very heavy keyboard, very heaven hammered organ. Um, there's a Leslie in there as well. Uh, there's also, you know, the drums, there's lots of, very folk club drums, almost Tom Tom rolling drum, um, especially in part two. The, 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 the Ian's flutes, very obvious in there. There's really a, a real Christmas, if you know the song, the, another Christmas song, it has that, it's, there's almost a flute from that. Um, the guitar, I mean, Martin Barre is a genius. Um, and so his, his guitar parts in there are... I don't think there's another guitarist on the planet that plays, maybe Stephen Hackett, possibly from Genesis, that plays quite like him. Um, you know, he. So when they like when they said it was a, a stab at the pomposity of progressive rock, um, he says that they were aiming at people like ELP or Emerson, Lake and Palmer. And yes, he doesn't mention Genesis, but he probably is, um, uh, because at that time they hadn't. A Lamb Lies Down on Broadway hadn't been released, I don't think. So he couldn't aim at that. He was aiming at Genesis album, like the Yes albums, you know, Close to the Edge, um, and ELP albums like Brain Salad Surgery, uh, you know, with their sort of a stab of classical music. Um, but I don't know if he was. I mean, if you listen to the music separately... And think about it. I don't think he does because it don't. Quite, it doesn't quite reach the heights of absurdity that ELP would reach musically, and it doesn't reach the kind of um, spirituality uh, and um, almost religiosity of yes. It doesn't quite get there. So it, 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 yes, as he says, it's a. It's a an absurdist view of it but if you're going to be an absurdist view of it wouldn't you be wouldn't you musically be more absurd than the bands you're pointing a finger at um i also feel it was a bit oh, i don't know i'd be rude but it was a bit a self-indulgent that you could make it you had five albums into a career that wasn't that old let's be honest five albums is not an old career to be aiming fingers i really don't i think he wrote the album deep down i wrote that i think they wrote the album when they did and then to push its historic side of it to post it to to to, to twist its historiography i think he added on the the 
I think it's a take the piss out of, of progressive rock music because there are people that do put um, Toll in the progressive canon I don't go there I think there are completely like like Motorhead he's not punk and metal it's his own genre I think the same with Tull. They're not they're they're not a musical. You can't pigeonhole them. They're sort of one they're not one thing or the other. You know, I think they are Tull is Tull and that's who they are. Uh you know. There's some uh there's a sort of two or three minutes into um track two or you think it was Rick Part Two is a brilliant piece of drumming that's uh, almost sits in with you know the Carl, the Palmer, the um, the Bruford, and almost in fact actually Ginger Baker esque sort of um, skiffle um, jazz freeform. So I mean, yeah, that side you could go, yeah, that sounds progressive. That's taking the piss. I think the story and the concept. Is definitely progressive. It's definitely conceptual, and that could be. But you see, he, I say this: if he went into the studio with no lyric, did he go into the studio with no concept? Because if he went into the studio with no lyric and no concept, how could it be a piss take on a concept album? Because he only he only, he wrote some of it before, but most of it on the on the in the two weeks in the studio. So I just think that that's a bit of a white herring. A bit of a white herring is that the right word? These are red herring, a bit of a, yeah, I think it's just Ian creating as he does his own mythology. Love you, Ian. Absolutely love you to bits. You're just creating your own mythology there, I think. Um, but it's 50 years ago. Hey, uh, when they released it, do you think that the um, do you think that the prog crowd got the joke? No, because they probably didn't even know it was a joke had it really been one. And I, don't, I mean. We talked about the artwork in the second half, but you know that alone is probably the only side I think that adds to the sort of because another thing Ian says Ian says that the lyrics and the concept were very Python esque. They were big Python fans. Um, yes, I think that could be um, that could add to the the mythos, the mythos that it's uh, that it's a a point the finger at the pomposity and the the virtuosity of prog but it was very early on in the prog era I mean you've got to think that prog is sort of 69 to 73 sort of right smack in the middle is it really enough to is it really enough to say that it's a piss take I really don't know anyway anyway um uh, some more notes here. It charted very well. It charted number one in Australia, number one in the US, and number five in the UK. Uh, with the very crowded charts, then you had Sabbath Volume Four. Um, you had um, uh, you had a, a number one album from um, from T Rex, White White Swan. You had uh, you know it, it, a lot. I mean. Also, some terrible. I mean, you had, I mean, number one album that week that it was released um, was the was a Dagnum Pipers, you know, which is like a an all an all girls 
um, tartan. Um, I mean, you got to you got to remember uh, mid seventies. People go on about they. You know, we talk about oh, we look back at the past and how wonderful music was. But only if you know what you're looking for. Most of the time, it was very bland. You know, your your um, your Sammy Davis Juniors, your your Carol Carpenters, your, your no disrespect, great musicians, but really bland. You know, um, you, I think that same week in the top five, there was um, uh, there was. What did I see? I was I was trying to do my research. I didn't write it down because so my brain's got to remember. But it was that boring. It was like um, like the two Ronnies had a top five album. You know, I mean, it it really does it does say to you that 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 the people that were buying the records then because music was bought by the adults and not by the kids that that did change mid to late 70s that changed um because it, the 60s music was bought by the kids singles were invented but then it moved towards the adults again because those kids were growing up and they were buying sophisticated music or, or safe music because they had children of themselves and they were earn, yearning back to their past and they kids you know looking what their parents were listening to and the you know um terrible stuff that would just you know you, when you flick through the record secondhand record bins of op shops and thrift stores and it's you know it's like the the, the top of the pops best of albums with half naked um you know women in bikinis holding glasses of pims you know, and uh, with, with um, stark yellow backgrounds, um, that kind of awful stuff, you know. Uh, the stuff that came and went so quickly that you didn't even know it was there. So, you know, so... Where was I? I've gone... I went off a complete tangent. Um, so, yeah, so... People music, music was... You had to know it. So, when it gets to number one, that's a big thing. It's a big thing. And in Australia, Jeffro Toll were massive. I mean, at one time, Toll were the biggest band in the world. The biggest band in the world. Six nights at Madison Square Garden sold out. Um, you know, um, broadcast globally. They're, you know, globally. Uh, I remember my mum and dad um, uh, watching them. My in-laws went to see them here at uh, in Canberra when he had broke his leg, in had broke his leg at a tour. And... It was during the A tour, and um, they, he came on in a wheelchair. They just sat there and played his flute, uh, you know, uh, and sang. And we all know Ian Anderson's. I mean, we know the look, you know, the cod piece, the wild eyes, the wild hair, the standing on one leg, the jester. Um, but you know, so to get to number one, particularly in the US, that's a massive call, right? Massive because. They were, they were, of all the music, of all the music, um, uh, sort of, um, places in the world to sell music, in America in the 70s was the safest place, you know, so safe, you know, um, if it wasn't the Beatles, it was West Coast sounding music, you know, again, Carol Carpenters and the Sammy Davis Juniors and the, um, you know, the Beach Boys, the, the really safe music although pet sounds is not a safe album but you know i i transgress on that one um anyway um i mean it was still i mean this album was still six years away from what i consider their best album which is heavy heavy horses 
Uh, I, I love their folk era, and Heavy Horses is my favourite album of theirs. Um, I do have uh, all of their albums on vinyl, and I do actually have three versions of Thick of a Brick. I have a reissue, the one I'm going to talk about today, and I've got quite a rare um, Kiwi print, which I really like as well. Um, but musically, yes, it's not. It, if you don't like um, folk music, if you don't like the pomposity and the the craziness of um, progressive rock, it's probably not your cup of tea. If you don't like one stream of consciousness lyrically, because it, it was originally designed as a poem. It's basically a poem by Gerald Bostock, who's the main character. I was going to get to that. On, we'll get to that on part two, but. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I get lost sometimes with it. Sometimes I listen. Like the opening track is is, is just brilliant. Like it's just it, it's wonderful, and it's often played live. You often find that particular part is like a track, but opening five minutes is seg- segmented and used uh, on a lot of their concept. Uh, sorry, their tribute albums and 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 uh, best ofs. I do get a little bit lost in it musically, and I do get a little bit. Um, not bored, I think that's the wrong word, but it, it it can get a little bit samey, and that's because, I said before, right back in the episode, that he's recorded it on the day. You know, they've not spent months and thinking about it, working at it, you know, the nuances of it. Recorded in two weeks, which is blink of an eye with a lot of albums, when you think that um, not you know, 13 years later, when less than 13 years later, when... Um, Def Leppard were recording uh, Hysteria. That was almost a two-year record process, you know, uh, over five or six different studios. Uh, so, you know, I mean, back then they did record quickly, you know, because it was about product out, recording, touring, product recording, touring, because people's attention spans were so short because there was so much on the market and people and you and they didn't tour so massively as they did and they didn't sell it through streaming which would live forever once it was in the charts it was gone it was in the back of the shelves in the record store and it was being remaindered and sold off for a couple of quid or a pound you know and you you knew you had a, a, a an old issue because it had a hole in the corner punched in it and that usually meant that it was being discontinued and the you couldn't you know and so you know that the you didn't have the time you couldn't hang around you had to get the album out tour album out tour single album out tour and it's why that maiden when they did power slave was so buggered at the end of the tour because they had to push the album out to every four corners of the world and they had to keep selling products why they're the biggest band in the world then and the biggest band in the world now uh, because they just push their product out to every aspect of the world and Toll were doing the same thing then and that's why they just there's a phenomenal period of music sort of early 70s to mid 80s where bands put out album year after year after year you could guarantee like regulars clockwork hey another Toll album is coming hey another Maiden album is coming hey another um Boston album is coming. Hey, another McCartney album is coming, um, and you could, you could, even if you didn't like the one you just heard, you knew that the next one could be better, um, which isn't always the case, but you know, often the case is not. So anyway, 
I'm going to warm my tea up. Um, I've chatted away enough. Uh, you listen to uh, some adverts. I will go unleash my copy of Thick as a Brick and we'll go through the fantastic artwork and some of the things, funny, funny insights on the record cover, um, which I'll put a picture up. Or you'll have to see a picture up anyway on my Facebook page and on the... Um, and on the all the social medias. Anyway, talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to side two, guys, or part two. Um, so this episode is thick as a brick. Um, again, it's our 50th episode, and this is celebrating 50 years of, since the release of Jeff Rotel's Thick as a Brick, um, released in March 1972. Um, not quite June, as I said before, but hey, it's very difficult to find a decent album that I could talk about. And this is a, not, it's a, it's a, it's a very significant album in the respect that it's, it straddles, it takes uh, toll from, I think, that, you know, the heaviness of um, Aqualung into it sort of coming, pushing and bordering onto the folk aspect side of the band. 
um, and into their sort of progressive era, uh, which really, when I think about it, um, actually garnered them big money. I mean, Ian might say that it was a joke and a, and a, a parody, um, but really, he made a lot of money off the back of this album, and he's he, he garnered a large new audience. Whether they knew they were taking the mickey or not, it doesn't matter. Anyway, give me just some tea. And uh, back. So, I'm just, it's, now, bear with me. This might be a bit of noise, guys, because I've got the vinyl on my lap. Um, but it's like a big newspaper. Okay? So, it's sick. Oh, now, I make. I took some measurements. One second. This is quite an interesting fact, actually. So, it's built round, it's built round the size of a small English newspaper of the same period. Um, and it's... When it folds out... Um, let me, what did I do here? I wrote it down. It's 300, uh, 330 millimeters by 410 millimeters, or 12 inches by 16 inches, which is the same as a regional newspaper of the same period. Um, it's the same. It's the Saint Cleve Chronicle, number two number two o seven two. It cost three pence for the newspaper, and it was it, the published date is the Friday the seventh of January nineteen seventy two. Um, so it's a wonderful packaging. Again, this is the thing that I think we—I mean, we—we we do do well now because bands are trying to get back to the halcyon days of records, and so you get some great packaging. I mean, the heads for the Dead album that I got recently that I pre-ordered like a year and a half ago—the quality is—it's sumptuous, it's beautiful, um, but it's not anything different. You know, it's—it's—it's ah, it's, it's, oh God, it's lovely. Um, but it's not quirky or unusual. Like, okay, so if you can get a chance to look at it online, I'll send some pictures. But it's basically you fold the paper out from the record, and it's it's a full size newspaper on nice thick paper card, printed. So in the top corner in red, it's got Jeffro Toll features on page seven, and page seven is all the lyrics for the from the song from the album. Um, it's the it's the Saint Cleve Chronicle and Lindwell Advertiser. So those are not um, from the UK. Uh, in the UK, you get local newspapers. I used to get the Hendon and Finchley Times, um, and you, you get uh, Chronicles, and you get all this. We get them in Australia. Um, used to get the one in Canberra where we are, but we don't get it because we've moved, and we're the suburb we're in. We don't get the the, the Tuggeranong the Chronicle anymore. Um, anyway, splashed across the front, it says "Thick as a brick." Judge disqualified Little Milton in last-minute rumpus. So Little Milton is the is the nickname of Gerald Bostock, um, and it says the Society for Literary Announcement, Advancement, and Gestation (SLAG) <laughs> um, announced their decision. Prize winner Gerald Little Milton Bostock, following the hundreds of protests and threats received after the reading of his epic poem "Thick as a Brick." on BBC television last Monday night. So it's basically an outcry about the poem and so they get disqualified. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I think you should. There are websites where you can see the record and all the writing on it. It is something that you should do while listening to the album. Yeah, so there's some interesting stuff. Like we've got this one here. Mongrel dog soils actor's foot. The cameras were rolling. Film actor Robert E. Levy was addressing his men in the making of the new film Biggles and the Snake Woman when a mongrel dog sold his foot. The dog belonged to Japanese makeup artist Tatu Tuyu, who recently became resident in St. Cleve. He explained the, 
later that poor little Popsy was taken short. Pictures turn turn to page eight. Um, you know, and then you turn to page eight. There's me making noise. Lovely. So you, you tune in for this, then you tune in for the sound effects every time. And there's a pop, and there's the picture of Popsy at the bottom. <laughs> oh, just fantastic. Each page has something like there's an advert for um. Uh, yeah, the cinema showing at St. Cleve Risoldo, son of the non-rabbit, plus do not see me rabbit. Great double feature program, lust of small nun. <laughs> the breathtaking bank clerk and the wise man. <laughs> oh, this, it, they just, it, it, I mean, you can, you can tell and you can hear the Python, or you can read the Python uh, absurdity in it. You, you just can. Um, you know, I could. I mean, I'm, it's. I could pick through it. Um, Sandcastle man calls it a day. Derek Piff, thirty-nine, of Small Close Street, Cleves, plans to give up his favourite hobby next month when he marries Angela de Groot, seventeen, of Linton House, Port de Grange. Mister Piff is, of course, the famous Sandcastle man who has won many competitions over years on beaches all over Britain. He plans his one final work before giving up the gay bachelor life. On the next exceptional low tide at Bosworth Cove, he will attempt again to scale his model of Buck to a scale model of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Ah oh dear. He is particularly fond of the beach there since the sand is stiff, firm and pleasant to the touch. Angela will of course be there to give him a hand and he will be taking the Piff children by the earlier marriage to observe his, astounding, his outstanding feet. I just love it. It's got big headline, stiff. Um, Non-rabbit missing, things like that. Beef shortage. Local death by spray incident. Building damaged by fire. Flute concert at rabbit rooms. You know, I'm not quite sure what their thing about rabbits are, but it, you know, it's there. Isn't it? um, uh, just, 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 you know, lots, and a lot of this stuff in it are mentioned when you mention uh, and you read them. They're all sort of in jokes with the bands. Um, you know, I've I've actually read this cover to cover many times. I'd highly recommend you to so do it yourself. Um, you know, flying high with Aunt Molly's recipes. You know, um, sweet tooth feet, uh, th uh, thief find. A former convent school girl who stole four dozen eggs and sweets from a supermarket storeroom was fined £40 by St. Cleve magistrates. Bridget Mullen, 24, of Long Furlow, Limwell Heath, admitted to the theft along with 14-year-old boy, 14 boys who were also from Bosworth Estate. The two boys, who were both described as coming from very poor home conditions, were both admitted by juve to juvenile court for the sentencing. Miss Mullen stole the goods whilst on bail, awaiting trial um, at quarter sessions for, incident, for indecent exposure. So, so she stole sweets and she showed herself off. <laughs> Oh dear, dear, dear. Anyway, I could go on. It's a beautiful product. So eight, there's um, Don't See Me Rabbit. Again, rabbits everywhere in this. Um, Russell, 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 Russell. Lost and found. Very pretty full-sized emperor penguin found. <laughs> Sorry. Oh dear, dear. Oh, here we've got here. Mother to be or not to be, we will tell you while you wait. Clinical facilities, St. Cleves. 
It's all it is. It's Peter. I've changed. It's all water under the bridge now. Please call me Paul of Lindwall. Ah, <laughs> uh, the personals are my favourite. Oh dear, dear. Entertainments: baffling magic rabbits, doves, penguins, maximum quad, magic square telephone. Um, oh God. That's so uh, fantastic. Oh dear. Red tempera converted. Four sided black, so you can use a folded a fold away in full stereo, but unfortunately is not portable. I don't know what that means, but anyway, I'm sure someone out there would know what that means. Oh dear dear. Do not see me rabbit again. There's rabbits everywhere. Okay. But yeah, and then you turn to page seven. And seven has all the lyrics. Okay. Um, Figures a bit by Gerald Bostock, Mil Little Milton Bostock. So it's basically the poem. It doesn't. It, and it, and um, you know, it starts off with uh, my words, but a whisper. Your deafness, a shout. Everyone knows that opening line to the uh, soul to this album. And it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, and someone on my copy here I've got three copies. I said four copies. Someone has drawn in the dots of dots, which pisses me off. Um, you know, should leave it alone. Why did you need to? There's a dot to dot killed children's corner and someone's drawn in on it, which irritates me. Um, you know, okay, what have we got here? <laughs> There's a crossword that makes no sense. One sees one down. Um, you know, you've got five, a damp version of 29 down. You go to 29 down and it says C28. <laughs> oh. You know, um, number four, um, the end, three words, three letters. It's end, isn't it? It's brilliant. Um, cafe, canine lovers, see one across. And you go one across and it says see one down. Cat. <laughs> oh, anyway, it's a beautiful product. Um, uh, if you can get a copy, they reissued it. You can get it in a gatefold. Um... So that was that was that scintillating podcasting, me sort of perusing a paper. Some of it not funny, some of it funny. If you haven't turned off already, please look, carry on listening. Um, so you can get like a a, a, a modern version of it, gatefold, uh, with a book in the middle, um, which is probably a bit easier to actually own and to read. The um, later, all the earlier editions, like the one I've got here, tend to be a little bit awkward. Um, I'm going to get the record out. Um, my copy is on this particular copy. I said with the one I pulled out from my cover. This is my latest option I picked up. I picked it up for like 20 bucks. It isn't a lot of money, really. It's on the Brew Prize Records. Um, there is a really rare Spanish one where it actually has track breakdowns um, and one or two pieces of music missing. And getting those copies, they're around about... Um, sort of to own them three four hundred dollars US oh dear sorry bang bang look ruffle ruffle there you go there you go boom bang wallop crash yeah so um, it's a beautiful product it's, it, it is a product of its time it's a, it's something that uh, that you wouldn't get now and if you do that the actual level of attention across the entire newspaper 
that you get with the record is second to none. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've sort of scanned across it. I probably haven't picked out the most fun parts, and some of it was a bit... What are you talking about, Tony? That's not hilarious. I, I honestly, the, 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 you know, I have me back, please. Peter is hilarious. <laughs> um, every time I read something, I just picture the pythons and the goons looking over Ian Anderson's shoulder, or them just finished watching a, 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 an episode of Python and then um, sitting down to write, because um, it is very Python-esque and it is absurdist. And to be honest, most of the most over-bloated and um, over-produced prog is very Python, but that's why I love it. You know, I'm I am I'm one of those people, along with a lot of my good friends of my generation and older than me. My brother's massive Python fan, so if if it can tap into that zeitgeist, uh, then I take it. You know, um, I know another German word, Schadenfreude. There you go, two German words, uh, which probably is very apt with this album as well. Uh, but it is, as I said, it's it's about the disqualification of the poem Thick as a Brick, read by Gerald Bodstock on the BBC, and it's a local boy. There's a great picture of Gerald Bodstock being handed over a cheque that he probably has to give back because he didn't really win it. Um, thank you for listening. I have rambled on. Uh, thank you again for listening 50 episodes in I was going to try and do like a top 50 best albums of all time but but uh, I think that would have it would have been over, had to be over three or four episodes and I've got too much planned to get round that one maybe for the hundredth episode so that won't be far away really guys um, please do come to my Facebook page heavy metal tones I'll put the link below um, have a look at the pictures I've got of Thick as a Brick I'll, I'll put some photographs up um, do go and grab yourself a copy um, uh, if you can get a physical copy brilliant um, or just get some pictures of it and listen to the album and read all the all the new, all the tiny minutiae of the album I swear there's stuff on there even after and I've had a copy of this in one form or another for 40 years um, so, you know, uh, I got it, I first listened to it when I was eight or nine, um, and I was just mesmerized my brother's copy and it would just make, I would sit there and just stare at the words. Uh, as I've told you before, I got into Toll because my older brother, Andrew, um, had, uh, Songs from the Wood and, uh, li- um, Life's a Long Song. And I just was like, this is just, um... It just, it, it it thrilled me and enthralled me and took me somewhere, sorry, my phone, somewhere that other music didn't do. It was not terrifying like early punk was when I was a young boy. It wasn't um, fanciful and throwaway like the pop music that was around then. And, and it sounds pompous of me, but I never felt right. I never felt that I... I I um I always thought I was a it was a bit below me and I mean that that's gonna sound really I mean people rolling their eyes and clucking at me and turning off in droves but I did I just I knew that that it wasn't music like the pop music at the time I mean I love the pop music I love it I do I love it dearly um, but it took me a little while to to understand that 
whereas I was instantly connected to things like Toll and ELP and Yes and Genesis and the Pistols and the Sabbath and the Damned and Boston and I roll it off, you know, Deep Purple and Rainbow and you know stuff that was uh, you had you usually were older. The Who, I mean, and they were the greatest pop band of all. Oh no, sorry, XTC are the greatest pop band of all bar the Beatles, but they're a different stratosphere. <laughs> Won't put them in there. They're somewhere else. They're in a ivory tower. Um, uh, but for the likes of me and you, XTC and The Who, there's a high rhyme there. Anyway, I'm rambling on. Do come to my Facebook page. Do interact with me. I'd love to hear from you. Um, what album means a lot? What album do you think I should? Uh, uh, Fifty years ago was is if you if you know which album or any product that is in your life that's as important as this as an album as thick a brick as thick as a brick is to me um and just listen to it and and don't be prejudiced by it's can be a bit impenetrable but do give 46 minutes of your life over to it and you will find something in there that you will find beautiful and you'll find your stuff in there which is confronting and you will find stuff in there which is um dense and hard to swallow but you will get through it and you will find it rewarding i i, I really promise you will um and if you love that then really delve back into the toll catalog and you're going to be very very rewarded very very rewarded um if you like stuff that sounds a bit like um 80s uh dire straits then Rock Island and Christopher Nave, which I adore. I bought those when they both came out. That's why they're very important to me in that particular time. I bought them in 86, 87, when they both released, or 1990, I think. No, 86, 87. Um, that's the way. Anyway, me rambling on. Thank you for listening to me all these weeks. It has been a privilege. It saved me um, so much. You know, I was, I was treading water... Um, artistically uh i was losing interest musically um i was in one of those dips that people have and this has really brought me back out kept me sane kept me motivated opened me up to so much new stuff and just talking about it has really given me um that wondrous sense of childhood that i had you know, when you first ever listen to that first, you put that record player or that CD or that MP3, whichever generation you are on. And the moment that crackle and pop starts or that tape whirs or the CD um, whirs into, into view or the MP3 just snaps instantly into your ears. Um, that moment of, of giddiness and of, of, of joy and of uh, uh, that moment where you think, I could do that. I want to do that. I want to be that drummer, that bass player. That I mean, that's my problem. Is in a, I was why I've never really been in many bands. I've been in a few bands, but I never really stuck because I wanted to be the bass player. I wanted to be the singer. I want to be the guitarist. I want to be the drummer. I want to play the keyboards. Um, I was never satisfied, you know, uh, and I got wayward. You know, I'd, I'd put my I'd. I'd put my oar in, you know. I couldn't leave the lyricist alone. I couldn't leave the guitarist or the. I wanted to be, and then I realised that I wasn't that person, and I, and I found it difficult to 
pull away and so I just then sort of tried to aim towards one instrument I loved which was guitar but all the bands that I was playing in didn't need guitarists because at that time it was the 80s and that was the era of the guitar hero and everyone had a guitar but no one wanted to play bass so I picked the bass up well actually that's not true I'd always loved the bass from an early age because I was a John Entwistle fan of The Who and of course of um of, of Steve Harris from Iron Maiden and Chris Squire from Yes and uh, you know and um Giddy Lee of, of Rush and of JJ now the damned you know Foxton of the Jam you know I could roll off hundreds of bass players Jar Wobble of Pill um you know uh, Glenn Metlock of the Who of the Who the Pistols sorry um so you know I've always been fascinated by bass players um and so when I sort of moved to bass it wasn't any different anyway I've gone right off the story but it was just a little bit of backstory about me I say thank you very much keep listening I can't wait to get to our 100th episode um in a few weeks time we have set aside a, uh, a time to record Benji and I we've got an epic history based one a lot of people have loved the history based episodes I got a lot of feedback on that this one's going to be around um uh war all based around Sabat- Sabatan music the music of Sabatan or Sabaton or whatever you want to call it um however you like to call them it's going to be quite a long one quite rambling it might be two parts um i'm off in a few weeks time to see if you hear this episode now or later i've just been or i'm going to Stephen see Stephen hackett at the m moore theater with my very good friends john parksy and mark and kevin um and steve uh to see uh Stephen hackett at the m moore it's been three years in the waiting fucking covid um Great tickets, four rows in the front. He's doing the entirety of Selling England by the Pound and Seconds Out. Songs from Second Out, Seconds Out, the um, Genesis of Live album. I'm sorry, there'll be there's going to be some crying on my part when they play um, I Know What I Like in Your Wardrobe, um, which he didn't play last time he was here. Yes, I think it might bring a tear. Um... And I'm very proud of that fact. And I don't really care, personally. If it elicits that emotion in me, then it's all I can ask for. But there will be, I will be doing an episode on that. I know this hasn't been a metal episode, but you know me. You know what I listen to. You know what I love. And this is an important album musically, historically, uh, in the history of packaging of, of product, in the history of, uh, uh, of the band and, the, and progressive rock. And and just uh, um, just ballsy side one and side two, you know, ballsy. I love the balls of it. You know, they're going to a, their record label and they're saying we're gonna we're gonna make this. Now they probably wouldn't have cared because it was the era of prog and prog was massive and they would have gone well, just do what you want to do, guys. Um, you know, more organ, more Hammond organ, more Whitley Diddley, more flute solos, more ludicrous. Um, uh, uh, non-ending, non-scanning lyrical moments. More, more, more. Until you can't take any more. Until you get to the, you know, levels of the uh, of ELP, and then you burst that bubble, and it 
punk appears and it all fades away. And then it all comes back again because people realise they fucking loved it. It never went away, really. Anyway, that's me rambling on. Please come back to my... Please go over to my page. Please say happy birthday, happy 50th episode to me. Um, and uh, again, thanks for listening. It's been a great journey from episodes that I could barely get the mic to work um, to episodes where it was so obtuse that I got like three listeners because no one, it was about a topic that no one cared. Uh, my numbers are really speeding up, getting a lot around the world. Interesting places, listen to me. Um, and I'm, I love that fact. You know, my little my little man in Boardman, the USA, or man or woman, so I don't know, or gender neutral, whatever, is listening to me every week. I see that number and I get a little bit of warmth in my heart. Louisville, little warmth in my heart, you know. Um, Canberra, big numbers, big numbers in Sydney. Mexico, of all places. Um, India, UK. Uh, yeah, anyway, thanks again, guys. That's my kiss to you. Um, keep rocking, keep listening, um, keep enjoying the shows, and I'll see you next time. Uh, and it'll, well, who knows what next will be, but uh, thank you again. Bye, guys. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.